Welcome to Shooting the Ish with a Brit, the podcast where David, a white British man, and Jen, a black American woman, shoot the shit. Ish, she means ish, about whatever we want. British dinky deckers. Check. American bonnets. Check. Even mysterious potatoes. Oh, double check. So join us for another episode of Shooting the Ish with a Brit. Hello, everybody. Hey. And, I, and I'm saying that instead of saying hello to Jen, because normally we are introducing to, to each other to ourselves on the phone, but right today, we are both recording in New York together, which is the first time we've done this, which is very exciting um, and very cool. Um, how are you feeling about this, Jen? I love it. Yeah? I love it, especially because it's our 10th episode, which is a milestone is. for us. So. It's only perfect that we are here t- together um, to record, so I'm and happy about it. Especially after last week being in different continents. Yeah, for completely. The first time, so to now be in the same room is pretty cool. That's very true. We were separated yeah. by lots of bodies of water, and now we're right here in front of each other, looking out at the Hudson. Looking River, at the Hudson which River. Is beautiful, everyone. It's a wonderful day here. It's very hot and muggy, but it's lovely in New York. So muggy. Um, Use the word muggy. muggy to mean humid, right? Exactly, but it's more of an English word. It is an English fun. word. Yeah, it's great, but you can also be. Uh, you can obviously mug someone off. Oh which God! Is like what the hell does like, that mean? Or pie someone, which is a. Uh, it's kind of slap somebody no it's it's a verbal thing and it's kind of more like it's almost a bit condescending and just kind of dismissive like how prince charles calls Meghan markle tungsten that no that's a bit no. i don't that, it kind of is i guess but pieing and mugging someone off is a bit more like obvious you know okay. it's like a very very deliberate thing whereas he was a bit more subtle got it you know? um uh, i actually want to start by saying congratulations to hbo Okay. Because we obviously both worked there and we both worked on a lot of these shows that have uh, just broken the record for the most amount of nominations for the Emmys ever. Amen. 138, which is very exciting. Amen. Um, I think it was 137. Is it 137 or 138? It's 137 for HBO, for HBO and then one for Cinemax. Okay. A little token. Very good. For Cinemax. I think okay. it's Warrior. So. It is Warrior, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very exciting. Um, it is exciting. Yeah, and uh, and then and then we go into our hellos, and and mine this week isn't really a hello. It's kind of an explanation of a New York hello. Do you know what? A oh New York my hello god, is? I need to hear this. Right? Who? What this kind of person a, set you this, up right now? Let's thing. hear it. No, this is a thing, and it's a, a New York hello uh, in the classic sense. Is <laughs> being bear in mind that this is a tough city, right? You've really got to sure. be thick-skinned to be here. Uh, so the traditional New York hello is when someone would arrive in New York for the first time. And something really shit would happen to them. Like they'd be walking along the sidewalk, and a, a pot plant would fall out of the from someone's window and onto their head, or like a taxi would be driving along and just splash water all over them on their arrival. Yeah. Um, or someone would spit on them, maybe, or something like that. That's a New York hello. Got so, it. Ooh, yeah. I like that. Uh-huh. Where'd you get this from? Uh, I, I, I mean, it was a research thing. Um, I was kind of trying to look at the uh, the different hellos in New York and the different areas and whatnot, and. That's actually what struck out me to me the most. So then this is my issue then. I don't think I've had a formal New York greeting. That, actually, yes, I have. Oh, yeah. my God. Can I share it? Please. So one day I'm on the train platform okay. and the train's coming and it's completely packed. Do you know what I mean? But then there's this one train that has absolutely nobody on it. Like there's one car that has absolutely nobody on it. Right. Going, so then I'm like, oh, my God. I must be the luckiest person alive because I'm about to get on this damn near empty train or a car train. Doors open, get right in, 
immediate smell of shit roast. It smelled like somebody had put all kinds of shit peppers, shit herbs on the car train. And sure enough, there was, you know, like a really uh, sad person in the corner of the car uh, emanating this shit roast Mm -hmm. smell. So I tried to run out of the car and then it was doors closing and so i had to endure that smell for what seemed like 10 whole minutes but it was just one more stop so actually i think i did have a formal new york hello and i think that was it so that would be a like a type of new york hello right would be and uh, did the person try to interact with you no 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 he was clearly in his own little corner going through things you know but this smell i mean my god (laughs) things were coming out of every orifice Uh and pore of his body but yeah just know that if you're taking the train ever i I think my common sense would have prevailed there well thanks david thanks thanks a lot david yeah yeah. call it optimism okay (laughs) god loves me okay yeah that was an early judgment so this is new york that's not a reality (laughs) it's it's not that easy no way whatever Uh so the greeting i'm going to give you is something that is very um iconic and popular um from a tv show in the 90s led by martin lawrence comes from the martin show okay and so on hbo no No, but hbo produced it yeah that's right that's That's so crazy you know that it aired on fox back in the 90s but hbo produced it very good um so martin played a radio host by the same name martin and every time he would open up his radio show he would say what's up what's up what's up so that's my greeting to you. <laughs> I can imagine it sounded a little bit different coming It is now. completely different, but I tried. Love it. Can you give it to me now without the, the preempt and just go into it? What's up? What's up? What's up? So much yeah. better. I figured that would be well, better. Thanks. like it. Okay, nice. Very we'll good. see. Um, and so, so this week, it being our 10th episode uh, and being together, we thought we'd change it a little bit with a couple of things. And instead of doing our favorite thing about each other's country... We're going to do the least favorite thing about each other's countries yeah. this week. And Jen, take it away. Okay. So, um, I have an issue with Britain this week. Uh, BBC News reported that there's a mountain that's very popular mm-hmm. in your, your home uh, country yeah. that a lot of people walk or uh-huh. hike. I like uh-huh. to use the, the word hike. Yeah. It's called Ben Nevis. Yes. Heard of it? In, in Wales. I think it's in Wales, right? They said I, they said it's in Britain. Wales is not in Britain, correct? It is in Britain. Oh, it is in Britain. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. Okay, so then, yes. I need a lesson on what Britain is composed of. Yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah, do. So have you walked so, Ben well, Nevis? Right now, so Great Britain, and I, if I get this wrong. Because I know the UK. Awful, if I get this wrong now. But Great Britain is England, Scotland, and Wales. And the United Kingdom includes Northern, Northern Ireland, Ireland as well. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, d- I thought Great Britain was just no, England. It's, it's, I thought it was like no, another word England. for Great Britain. That's England. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Thank you for that. So, have you walked Ben Nevis? I've not walked Ben Nevis. But okay. it, it's the most popular mountain in, in the UK or Great Britain. Okay. So, BBC News reported that, you know, a lot of people that walk this mountain, they drop a lot of banana peels. Okay. Of all things to report on, banana peels. Okay. And that just... But, but leads, breeds comedy, I guess. I guess. Uh-huh. But 
Britain is upset with people who do this because it takes two years for banana peels to degrade. Yeah. So for the past two weeks, I believe, right. they've had to pick up about eight kilograms of banana peels. And that is, for us here in America, that's 17 pounds. Another way to think about that is about two common trash bags of banana peels. So So I think a bag of sugar is generally a kilo. So it's like eight big bags of sugar. Yes. I like the way you you put that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I actually don't have a bone to pick with the people that are littering. I'm like, put some damn trash cans along there. I mean, if you know that it's a popular destination... People are going to want to eat as they're walking. And I'm not saying littering is cool, but I'm saying I'm not putting that in my backpack. I mean, we need some trash bins. That's how it works in America. Because think about it. You're in L.A. Mm -hmm. There's a popular hiking trail in L.A. Um, Blanking on the name. I've been before. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's in Hollywood. Um, Not Griffith Park. I think it's in the Griffith Park area. Anyway, there's a popular one. And they have, like, trash cans along the trail. A lot of them do, yeah. But to be honest, I'm sure at Ben Nevis, I'm sure there is some. There's just not a lot of them. And I guess the irony is that they probably haven't put them there because they think to then collect the litter at the end of every day is mm-hmm. a bit of a mission. But I guess if they're then <laughs> going back and doing it at Banana Pills and all these other trash individually, it seems like it would make a lot more sense and be a lot more efficient. But I, I just, in my head, I just have this wonderful... Car- image that Ben Nevis is a cartoon and everyone going up there is in the cartoon and they're just slipping on banana peels <laughs> everywhere. Maybe. Like Charlie Maybe Chaplin that... style, seriously, like rolling down the whole way. Maybe. Which would be more fun than what you're talking about. But um, So that's your least favorite thing is that we don't have trash cans. That's annoying. And yeah. to even write an article about that, telling people to not litter, but you don't have the proper way of... Like, making that not happen? That annoys me. Put some trash cans. Especially because they're using the word popular, okay? Mm -hmm. Put some trash cans in the daggone mountain. Surely humans can just be responsible. I'm not carrying trash in my backpack. I'm not doing that. Hey, you don't need to put it in there just like that. You could bring a little bag maybe and put all your trash in there. Why would I do that? And carry a bag of trash? No, put some trash cans. I, I, I disagree with you. I mean, that would be great, but I disagree with you that you can't, you would just litter instead of just like. I didn't say that. Don't use those words, okay? For every eco friendly person listening, do not listen to this person. I'm saying set it up so that I don't have to litter. That's all. It's easy. America does it. What's the problem, Burton? Well, yeah, uh, you know, I like personal responsibility, personally. <laughs> Um, okay whatever Um, so my least favorite thing about America and this is actually it probably is quite an international thing in a lot of respects but um, I've noticed it a lot here especially the last few years and then it was actually uh, brought up Aziz Ansari brought up in his new comedy special he he kind of did a bit about it and I was like that's exactly right and I see it all the time Um, but what it is is that when you know you're talking to someone about a certain topic or whether it's a cultural thing or like some news or whatever or a movie you saw years ago or a reference and you're like oh did you see that and they're like yeah yeah all that bit yeah great and they're just completely lying they've never seen this they've never (laughs) read this they've got no idea what they're talking about yes but they do it because they want to fit in and they don't want to don't want to feel like they're stupid or whatever yeah wrong terrible way to be (laughs) what what house like it's people have so much respect for people when they're honest and just upfront about things and really the expectation that 
everyone knows everything about everything is ludicrous. So to feel that you have to pretend you know something about something just seems a bit silly and unnecessary. So you feel like that's uniquely American? No, as I said, I think it probably is, inter- it definitely is internationally to some extent. Like there's always people like that, but I've noticed it more in America. Yeah, I agree. You know, and it's, I agree. it's just, especially places like LA where people just really want to fit in yeah. and don't want to feel like they're like, they don't know about stuff. Yeah. Um, but the example, have you seen, have you seen the special? At the very beginning, that's okay. it. Okay, so it, I mean, I'll tell you if you want, and if anyone hasn't watched it, it's, tell me. You know, it's a little ruin, bit of ruin it here. But he he tells his story. He's like, you know, all this uh, politically correct stuff. He said there was this guy at a pizza place, and and uh, the guy received his pizza, and whoever prepared the pizza had like put the pepperoni in the, the shape of a, a Nazi swastika. What? And and but he was like, look, and honestly, like there's a whole big story. It came out and. Um, you know, I didn't think it really looked like a Nazi swastika. Like, I think this guy was exaggerating a bit. And, you know, who saw this? And it's like, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, we saw it. We saw it. Or like a good chunk of people. And he's like, who, who thought it was a swastika? And like half the people said, me, me, me. Half of them said, it didn't look like it at all. And he focuses on one guy in the audience. He's like, you know, what did you think? And he's like, I think it was a swastika. <laughs> uh, and he's like, none of what I said was true at all. It was a complete oh fabrication. My God. And all these people had just jumped on it and pretended they knew what he was talking wow. about. Wow. Just to try and fit in. Wow. Which is really interesting, like on that scale as well. Um, I think a part of the reason why we Americans kind of lie about little stuff like that is because we want to connect with other people so badly. Which is fine. And we have this sort of um, collective need to want to be so empathetic with people uh-huh. that we'll just believe or say that we know and, and yeah. believe whatever whatever yeah. they're saying. I think a lot of it's insecurities. I think you're right. I think that's at the super root of it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's Completely. So Completely. That's, I don't like that. And I just think, you know, people don't need to be like that. We all, we all know different things. And we all don't know different things. Yeah. So and every day we learn. And so why not just say, no, I've got no idea. I'll that's true. You. That's true. I didn't true. see that. Tell me about it. That's true. Really easy. And, you know, no one's going to judge you for that. They might, but you shouldn't care anyway, and if they do, right? Then their, so their insecurities are bigger than yours. Exactly. So Who gives a shit? Um, That's a okay. good one. Um, so um, my next door this week, I kind of did a bit of a deep dive. Uh, <laughs> and so um, what are you saying? It's not from overseas. Well, I have it's not one, from LA. One of them either. from LA and uh, one of them from uh, Paloma Creek, which I don't even know what that is. And the first one is just very short. It was just really funny. Um, this this woman called Navia beginning with K, I'm assuming it's a silent K, not Canavia. Um, <laughs> she, her, her title was Gecko, and the English is pretty bad here, so I'm going to read it as it is. She says, I have an enormous about of Gecko in front of my home at night. Any suggestions on getting rid of Gecko is appreciate, exclamation point. <laughs> and Kenny, you know, quite helpfully replied, switch to Allstate. <laughs> Love it. What a great response. He needs brilliant. an award, for like, sure. Brilliant. Like that was, so that was one, which I absolutely loved. <laughs> and the second one is just quite... Uh, this is in LA, in, in, in Metairie? Oh, Metairie. Metairie, there you go. Yeah. Metairie, so where's that in LA? Uh, Louisiana? Because there's a oh, Metairie, Louisiana. Louisiana. Of course it is. So then it's not in LA, it's Louisiana. <laughs> That's why. Um, but this is the most freaky thing I've ever seen on Nextdoor. And I think, I feel like I did see this somewhere before. Um... But this is a, a lady who, for, maybe it's for some uh, like Thanksgiving or something or some other like holiday in, in the US. But she has Maggie's Chicken Bears, which she's selling for $25. I'm going to show you the picture of this. And normally I wouldn't be able to do this because it's 
but I'm so glad I can because it's. Well, no, I'm going I'm to show you. I'm going to okay. read it first. It's fucking terrifying. Jim was trying to get ahead of herself. <laughs> my phone. Uh, so, Maggie Blank is selling chicken teddy bears. Chickens have plenty of extra parts. I can make two bears. $25 if you supply your own chicken, $35 if I supply the chicken. Edible and can be cooked. Great family activity. Can also make clothes. That I've got no idea what the fuck she comes <laughs> But what she does is she essentially breaks apart a chicken and reconstructs it to be a teddy bear. <laughs> so she's a taxidermist? No, no, no. This is a raw chicken. She's Oh, it's a up. raw chicken. Okay. She's cutting up, making it into a teddy bear, a really freakishly fucking <laughs> terrifying teddy bear, and popping it in the oven and baking this teddy bear, and then you pop it on the table and eat it. It doesn't sound real. And look, look at this picture. Oh my god, what is that? I don't want to look at it. Oh like, my god, so it looks so scary. Horrifying. Oh my god, oh it's my so god. It's so horrifying. Uh, so that lady is mental, Maggie, and her chicken teddy bears. In Metairie. In Metairie in Louisiana. Um, and that I, what went through her head, how she came to that. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Make a teddy bear out of a dead chicken. How is that so even a weird. thing? It wasn't until she did it. And I feel like hopefully it died a quick death and... You know, maybe quicker than the teddy bear, but um, I feel like okay. This is what I feel like. There has to be some backstory to Maggie and and her doing this because Metairie is kind. Of, I like to say that Metairie is like country. Like I've been okay. to uh, New Orleans. New Orleans is like a city, city. Okay, mm-hmm. and then they have parts outside of like New Orleans and like you know rural Louisiana yeah. places like Metairie or Baton Rouge that yeah, I consider yeah. to be country yeah. so I think there are like a lot of farms out there so I assume Maggie has a farm yeah. she has some chickens on this farm maybe she didn't want to let them go when they finally when she finally killed them or whatever she wanted to kind of bring them inside the house you know and have them be a part of her world kind of forever mm-hmm. yes it's mental it's crazy but I think there's some sort of emotional reason why think, she did I this I think she's an insane person Completely and insane. Really creepy person. And imagine you could think about this: you sit in a, sit in a home, the kids come home from school, and 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 you know like, whether she <laughs> and her husband work, they both get home from work, and you know she gets dinner ready, and suddenly there's a teddy bear in the middle of the table, and she's that's suddenly carving up with the kids. That's freaky. Really freaky. That reminds me of um, like some kind of Hannibal Lecter thing. But but in my head as well, it's not like it's like some really creepy room, dining room or whatever as well. It's like it's like your classic. American nuclear family dinner room, like perfectly right. lit, nice wooden table, and everything laid out nicely with your knives and forks and serviettes and stuff. And and then this is just fucking <laughs> crispy teddy bear in the middle, which you all gorge on. How the hell did you find this? I I, I, I say I took a bit of a deep dive and found it. So that's my next door this week. Um, that's crazy. What's yours? Well, I can't. <laughs> I mean, how can I follow that? Like, really, I'm still on it. But mine is. Um, from a guy in my neighborhood in Crown Heights who posted uh, that he had some free G&H hand cream and that he wanted to give it out to people because it, it just works so well. So as a person who uses lotion every day, oil on my body every day, black Americans specifically, we are anti-ashy. Do you know what ashy no, means? No, tell me. Ashy is when you're when you're not lotioned up you know when you're not oiled up you're dry your skin mm-hmm. is dry mm-hmm. so if we notice that our skin is dry we say oh you're looking ashy today mm-hmm. we also pay attention to other 
people, melanated people in their body just to see if they're like oiled up or not. Right. So to have this guy giving away some kind of hand cream is a little suspect to me. Why are you giving it out for free? Is it laced with something? Like why? What? How much and did he have? It was like a small little container from what I could tell. Why can't you just throw it away? I don't even understand that. You know? I guess he's trying to be nice, but that is a little bit weird. It's really odd. It's super odd. Maybe he's trying to meet women. Maybe he's like, oh, look. Maybe. The, the, the primary market for this hand lotion is probably going to be women. He's a bit lonely. He's thinking, right, okay. I mean, I guess. It actually makes me think about a time when um, a friend of mine, it was a guy who had taken some free lotion from some guy on the street. And I'm like, did you need no. the lotion that badly? No. And he was black, so he should have known better. I'm like, I have lotion, you know? Mm-hmm. That's not good. It's that's, not good. It's too risky. I'm telling you, if black people yeah. need lotion, we're not getting it from strangers, okay? No. We're either on the way to go somewhere that has lotion or we're just going to wait. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, the free hand cream, no. Yeah, that's creepy. But you didn't message this guy. Of course I did no, not message no. this guy. Well, it may, may have done for investigatory purposes. No, I have no. plenty of lotion and oil. Yeah, in but it wasn't, it's not okay. about the lotion. It's about who the fuck is this weird guy. No, I can already okay. sort of see that he's a weirdo. Yeah. But yeah, that's so that's my next door story. That's um, it. Funnily enough, actually, there was another one I saw, which uh, just, just quickly, because it's linked into people giving away free shit. But this woman was, um, <laughs> she said, hey guys, I've got these two expired uh, bottles of uh, vinaigrette. One expired in 2016, one in 2017. Free if anyone wants them. What the fuck? What could you even use ex- expired it's, it's like vinaigrette it's, it's for? Yeah, I know, yeah, but yeah. what you what could you use that for? Why Nothing. would she you be giving it away? Because it's going to be you like, clean with it. No, no, no. She's she's like doesn't even want to eat this basically, but she's throwing it away because it's expired. But but I mean, someone probably would eat it. But that's such a weird thing to put on next door. That to is really weird. Yeah. Unless, like I said, there's another no, there's reason. Not. She was just doing it just because she thought people might want to eat it. Got it. That's, it. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Well, those um, are some good ones. They are some good ones. Those Thanks good for ones. sharing. Oh, cool. Um, so, my ish this yeah. week. Man. My ish is nostalgic, you oh, know? Yeah? Okay. Like, I'm about to really get in my bag right now. Okay. So, last, this past weekend, um, I went to a block party. I mentioned this to you, but I didn't really explain what a black party was or even the history of black parties. Black parties on like a street, right? Yes. So it's on a block of of a street, right? Everyone gets involved. Everyone like puts food and drinks and stuff. Yes. uh So I went to a black party hosted by this collective called Stoop Fifty Five, and a colleague of mine is like one of the people in that collective. Right. Um, so he, along with his friends, created this beautiful space on this block in Brooklyn for people to come and double dutch. Do you know what double dutch is? is that, what would we call it? Hopscotch? What you do on the squares? Ooh, so no, hopscotch no? is different from double dutch. Okay. So double dutch is jump rope with like oh, okay. two okay, ropes yes, going yes, together. Okay, okay? Yeah, so course. people can double dutch. I actually brought my double dutch rope. It was Wait, so sure cool. You need two ropes. Two ropes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Double Dutch, you could play hopscotch, you could chalk the sidewalk. They had free barbecue. They had performances on this beautiful brownstone stoop of like rappers and singers, um, people playing number, live instruments. Was the house number 55? The house was number 55, hence Stoop 55. Um, 
and people were just really enjoying themselves. They even had a fire hydrant that was busted, and oh, the water cool. was spraying that's, out. That's more iconic New York than Oh, my God. Else. It's so amazing. Uh-huh. I actually ran through it with my boyfriend. My boyfriend left me hanging, okay? <laughs> like, he kind of stepped in a little bit, got his shoes a little wet, freaked out because he doesn't like wet socks, <laughs> and then completely turned around, whereas I'm twirling in Love there, it. blonde braids and all. I'll share a video with you um, later. But it was just this really beautiful space. And so as I was talking to my boyfriend, he was like, he didn't grow up on those. So he's from Florida. And I guess a lot of people don't. So with me being in Chicago, I grew up with block parties. So when I was a kid, like I would, you know, jump rope, um, do all these different things that we did at this particular block party. And so I wanted to like learn a little bit more as to like what the history of block parties were. So the thing is, in America, we black Americans love us some community, right? It was just always so important for us to have each other because in America, for the longest time, we were always disenfranchised, whether it was slavery to times of Reconstruction to Jim Crow and and the Civil Rights Movement, right? So block parties were really big for us. And specifically in 1973, tying it into New York, 1973 is big because hip-hop is where... um, or 73 is like the year where hip hop really like originated. Right. And so here in New York at block parties, people would come and spit, you know, they would come right. and rhyme. Cool. And so DJ Cool Herc is like considered to be the godfather of hip hop. And so um, he got his start at block parties. Amazing. Isn't that so amazing? So because of black parties and the community surrounding it, people got to hear his name and then that was circulated throughout the city and then like beyond New York City. Um, so that was really my ish, like really going back to my childhood yeah. and also really wanting my you know nieces and my nephew and then my future children yeah. um, to have that experience as well. I was uh, thinking about the difference of when you were a child and experiencing that stuff and now as an adult, obviously you see it very differently now yeah just as you're talking about right now yeah when you were a kid obviously you didn't really realize the context and why it was so important i just knew i didn't know why it was important but i did know how it made me feel i just always knew i was gonna have fun you know and that i was gonna be with my friends and i could like show off my double dutch moves in the rope you know Mm -hmm. i could do like these different Maybe not Tricks with that in hair. the rope. That would be pretty difficult. <laughs> it was so funny, not with this long blonde hair, because I actually double dutch at the block party this past weekend. So I had to like hold my hair because yeah, it was kind of getting in the rope and stuff. Yeah, that didn't seem like um, No, but as a kid, it was just more about fun and going. Yeah. Whereas with the block party now as an adult, it's like, oh my God, I'm seeing how much goes into it. Mm-hmm. And big shout out to my colleague, Gavin Webb, who's a part of that Stoop 55 collective. Shout out to him and his team, because it took a lot for them to do that. And to also like throw a block party, it means that you really love your community enough to like do all this stuff for free, right? Yeah. right. And more, than, um, more than free, though. Couldn't be putting money into it. If they didn't oh, clearly. They were putting... Uh, clearly. Yeah. So um, nice. Because it does cool. a, such a beautiful service to like mm-hmm. the community. That's so yeah, cool. that's my ish. Love it. Yeah. Love it. What about you? Um, I kind of briefly touched on Aziz Ansari earlier, mm-hmm. and uh, I wanted—I uh, watched his comedy special, and I kind of wanted to talk about him a little bit. Um, I like Aziz Ansari. I think he's had a great career. I think um, very funny man, very good writer. Um, his stand-up's good. His his Parks and Rec and um, Master of None, like great shows. Um, obviously, like a year or so ago, he had a bit of a Me Too moment. 
which is a it's a I'm I'm kind of in a mixed place with this one because it's I'm not I'm maybe not and that's why I wanted to talk about it because I was curious about your thoughts of it but um from the way I see it the Me Too movement is obviously such a huge significant thing and it's a huge part of that female empowerment whereas a, a story like this not to say it's not significant and it shouldn't have be a conversation but it kind of detracts from the bigger picture right that like the much more serious stuff um, at least that's what I felt and and again we don't know what happened in that room you know it's a he said he said she said kind of situation and you know you look, read something like that and you kind of you think back to all those different experiences you've had right and you're like right was right know, and I, I think right. for, my, for me I think I've done acted all very responsibly and very respectfully over the years and um, but still you kind of have these moments like there was a moment recently where it was actually when Joe Biden all that stuff came out about Joe Biden like kind of touching people right on the shoulder or whatever that same day when that came out I had been at a work event and the car had been in the valet right and there was some confusion with the car and whatever so they'd end up moving over to one side and blah 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 but because it all happened I had a bit of rapport with this lady who was probably about 45 and we were joking and like having a, it was a bit of fun for five minutes and then at the end they found my car and like I touched her on the shoulder like, thanks so much and we were laughing and it was really nice and I walked away from that I'm like shit mm. can I do that mm-hmm. right and it's like it's a really so mm-hmm. these kind of conversations are obviously very important because yeah. some people do feel uncomfortable and yeah. it's obviously a context thing and an environment thing um, but anyway uh, I mean so we, we all know the story of what happened with um, Aziz and uh, I mean, actually, let's go through it because I'm curious to what your take on it is. Okay. But from my understanding, and this is from her own words as well. Yes, yes. They, they met at the Emmy party, exchanged numbers, then went on a date. Um, they then went, uh, had dinner, whatever, um, went back to his house. They were kissing, whatever. They end up both end up naked, her sitting on the kitchen counter. Um, and then while she's there, he's trying to kind of, you know, to, to sleep with her and whatever, have sex. And she was giving verbal cues, as she said it. She said verbal cues, kind of, she's not super interested, feeling a little bit comfortable. He obviously didn't either hear them necessarily or kind of understand exactly what she was saying. So again, that's kind of ambiguous for us to know mm-hmm. exactly what she was saying, how she was saying it, whether he was actually ignoring it or what. So you kind of, you're gonna give benefit of that one way or the other, I guess. Right. But then when she did say, no, you know, I don't wanna do this, he stops, yep. they got dressed and then they went and watched Seinfeld for a bit, I think, and then she then she later left upset and was kind of like, you know, for whatever you know her process was after that fact. Right. So, um, so that's the story, and so again, we don't really know, right? Like realistically, what these verbal cues were, if he heard them, if she did do them, as, and she was being forceful, but we do know, and they both said that as soon as she says no, he was like, okay, fine, which okay. Um, but anyway, so the comedy special is a very interesting comedy special because. Uh, firstly, he's like his first thing he's done since then, right? So he kind of has to address what happened. Um, and it was kind of, it was for a comedy special, which normally you're going to laugh for like an hour, right? It kind of, there was a lot, it was very emotional in a lot of respects. And he was very vulnerable and kind of briefly talked about it and, and uh, how it has changed him and made him more aware about his actions and, and whatever, blah, blah, blah. He didn't apologize for it, right. um, which right. I think is... You know, he clearly doesn't think he necessarily didn't think wrong. It was just an awareness thing, I guess, and, and whatever. Um, but anyway, so the, it was directed by Spike Jones, which I thought was a very interesting choice. Yeah, as well. I thought that a, was interesting really, when I saw that. Kind and of. it kind of, to direct something of like that seems a bit interesting because it's kind of like there's only so much you can direct. But actually, you can feel Spike Jones in it and the work and the, the audience interaction and stuff was amazing as well. Um, but anyway, um, so for him coming back from that and kind of 
starting off with like talking about it was uh, quite refreshing and uh, it set a nice tone for it and then he kind of and through the time you'd have like 10 minutes of pure comedy and like really funny stuff and then he'd kind of come back to a bit more vulnerability and a bit more like uh, environmental stuff and kind of an awareness about who people are these days so it was really interesting really funny um, and it was kind of you know I, li- I like Aziz Ansari for me um, from like the work he does and the way he writes and his topics I kind of am inclined to give him the benefit of the doubt and just kind of it was a lack of awareness and, and you know and you can you look at him in this and and even if he did make a mistake which he very well clearly did to an extent he, he knows it and he's kind of come out of that better and learning and that's kind of obviously what we all should strive to do mm-hmm. um, ultimately we're all kind of shitty people right and that's to an extent and we all make mistakes um, one of the things that I was first, one of the things that someone said to me like early on in my career was make a mistake. Everyone makes mistakes and there's nothing wrong with that, but make the same mistake again and that's where you're going to get in real trouble. Yeah. That's the problem is when yeah. you don't learn from them. So yeah. that's significant. Um, yeah. Um, so I just wanted to, I think, I think I like, I love Aziz Ansari's work and I think I, I give him the benefit of the doubt and um, I'm curious to see what he does next because he, he's really very talented um, mm-hmm. and, and I, I, a lot of respect for him for kind of using this forum to to finally do like a full response to it and kind of put his hands up and say you know yeah 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 but there's obviously by the way there's obviously a lot of very terrible people out there who are horrible people and and yeah. they're not mistakes they make they're very deliberate yeah. and very calculated and that's like you know and I I don't think he's anything like that at all yeah, I that's agree. I so, so um, what's interesting is I saw Aziz last year yeah. at a comedy um, place here in New York. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't expected to perform. I had gone with, you know, somebody I was dating at the time. Yeah. And they had their lineup. And then as New York does, they end up allowing people to pop up. And Aziz was one of those people. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, he didn't mention anything about this scandal, quote unquote, that he was involved in. Um, but he was very funny, and I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Now, with this new special that you're talking about, I saw maybe the first 10 minutes of it, and he addresses yeah. uh, the sexual misconduct allegation situation. It's just very serious, right? Mm-hmm. And then he makes a point to say, well, I was just really concerned about how she was feeling, mm-hmm. and it's kind of terrible that she felt that way, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I was disappointed in that. Yeah. If he really felt like he didn't do anything wrong, then I wanted him to make it funny. And I feel like he, along with other comedians, have now adopted this um, fear of tackling the things that we all want to be funny. Mm -hmm. Because somebody actually made a really great point. I feel like it was a Rolling Stone article. And so they made a point about this particular section of the special where they were like, you know, the people in the audience are the cowards. We're the ones that want to say certain stuff and make it funny, but we can't. Yeah, that's what the That's why we for. come to a, a comedy show yeah. for. So I was disappointed in Aziz for that, right? Yeah. Now, going back to the story on babe.net, which is now a defunct website, and yeah, it's probably sure. because of that story. Yeah, I'm sure it is, yeah. I thought it was very bogus yep. of that editor to even say that this was something that should be a part of the Me Too movement and yeah, as well, something that it was... It detracts from the bigger picture. Exactly. It detracts from the bigger picture. Yeah, yeah. But it was also needed because now yeah. we can see, okay, that 
story really isn't what we're talking about. No. We're talking about habitual yeah. sexual predators exactly. like yeah. Harvey Weinstein, yeah. like no, the look, point you made. Like this. Yeah, exactly. People who are not just making one no. mistake, people who are deliberately yeah. using their power yeah. to molest, rape, assault yeah. people, right? Take advantage of them. Aziz was not that person. No. Okay, so that was a bogus story. So it was like, it kind of was good that that came out because it's like, okay, this is not what we're talking about, right? Set set a bar, I guess. Exactly. So I feel like he actually needs some feminist advocates right now Mm -hmm. to really come to his defense. And there are not many times when women have to come to the defense of men. Mm -hmm. There aren't that many opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. But this is an opportunity for all of us women to be like, that was some bogus shit that lady said. Okay, like she was just disappointed. Even in the article, was it the start of the article was her saying, you know, I turned up and I wanted red wine, but I was given white wine. She was disappointed. She was disappointed in in what she was. She was probably disappointed in his cunnilingus game. She was probably disappointed in whatever package he had in his. Like I feel like exactly. Oh, it's a Z's girl. It's a Z, and the Z's is like just a regular ass dude. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's really what it was. Um, So Aziz, this is a message to you. Be on your funny with all things. Like, don't give a F. Otherwise, it's going to affect your comedy. It's going to affect your craft. And and it's going to affect your state of mind. You know you didn't do this. Yeah, exactly. But this is an opportunity for him to overcome that with his comedy. Yeah. So, that's Um, my whole thing. One other thing that was in the comedy, which I I found really interesting, and because it's all very topical right now, um, he talked about R. Kelly. And uh, Oh, interesting. I didn't see that. I don't want to ruin anything. So, if anyone's not watched it, like, there's a little bit about this, so it's... Uh, it will kind of ruin a couple of the jokes, but um, he talked about R. Kelly and everything going on right now, and and he ultimately, after going through it and making some jokes, he said, "Look, who in the audience is done with R. Kelly? Who's like, look, he's done this with the kids and whatever, and like, who's done with R. Kelly? Everyone, hey, I'm done. Everyone's like shouting, yeah, we're done with that guy. Like, you know, he's history, right? And then he goes, Jacko, Michael Jackson, and he asked about Michael Jackson. He said, everyone wants a documentary, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this is interesting to me because I'm kind of in the middle of this with Jacko. I'm, I'm like I'm a fifty-fifty because I just I don't know. Interesting. Right? Okay. Um, but the the interesting thing was the audience was as well. Like when he asked them about Michael Jackson, half of them were like I'm done, and the other half were not. It was a very split audience, um, which I found very interesting. Why did you find that interesting? Because um, did you expect everybody to raise their hand or nobody to raise their hand? I don't know what I, ex- I didn't. I didn't necessarily expect anything. But yeah. as I say, I'm kind of in the middle with the Michael Jackson thing. Like I just. I think that dude was really fucking weird and he's got a lot of weird shit going on. Um, but I don't know, you know, I just don't know, right, what happened in those rooms and whatever and, and, and we'll never really know for sure. Um, and it could have been perfectly innocent or it could have been horrific, like, you know, a lot of people are saying it is and this documentary portrayed. Um, so I'm still kind of 50-50 because I just don't know. And I don't want to pass too much judgment on it. So my thing is... I'm not done with Michael Jackson. I'll never be done with Michael Jackson. What I know is if the government wants to find something on your ass, Mm -hmm. they will find it. And so he was under investigation for 10 years from the FBI. Then we have to put in the the point about race, okay? Mm -hmm. So Michael Jackson... When he was hot and on fire, there was no such thing as black or white. Okay, that's what the song says. You know what I'm saying? Then when you hear rumors about him touching children, FBI gets involved. And then the element of black and white starts to come in. Mm -hmm. 
They found nothing on this man. Mm -hmm. So what more is there for me to judge or even think about? Okay. Now, if he did touch children, that's something between him and the Lord. Okay. (laughs) But I don't have any evidence Mm -hmm. at all that that was the case. Um, So I'm not, I'm not done. It's completely. And the man is dead. Like leave him alone is my thing. So having this documentary even come out after he's dead really takes away a lot of the credibility from it and those now adults when they were children there were so many like stories that kind of like were back and forth you know this is what it was this wasn't what it was this is what it was so if it's still a question Mm -hmm. then you as a consumer as a fan as a whatever you should have no question as to whether or not you should be rocking with michael jackson yeah exactly you know like that's it the government tried. They even didn't find anything. So what more do you want? That's a long time to investigate. That's a long time. And this is a black man being investigated by the American government. And they found nothing? No. So it, it's we'll, interesting. We'll no, we won't know. But since, you know, we live in America and people, you know, when they get investigated and the facts come out, then those are the facts that yeah. nothing was found. So yeah. that's all that I'm going to adhere to. Yeah, fair enough. So yeah. I'm listening to my Jackson 5 and my Michael Jackson with no problem. Okay. Okay, pretty good. <laughs> um, so uh, my, what did I learn this week? Yes, what did you learn? You've um, been so everywhere. What did you I learn? I've been everywhere. And actually, it's something I learned yesterday. And it was, oh. it was about a person, which I just, it was an interesting little story. And it had a, a, an interesting message to me. Um, uh, yeah, as, as you guys will know, I've been. I was in England and I was in Hungary and back in England, and and I just got to New York yesterday. Um, and then I spent an hour in an Uber from the airport to the hotel, and the Uber driver, who's this very very lovely man called Adele, um, who I think he's probably about uh, fifty fifty five, very sweet man, and we just talked for an hour, right? Um, Four point nine three rating on Uber. He's been driving Uber for like four and a half years, and uh, he's lived in New York for 22 years. Hmm. Um, he actually asked me to guess where he was from, which I managed to guess, which I was uh, kind of... He gave me one clue, which was a lot of history from his, in his country. Um, and so I actually said, look, I'm going to look at the map and try and engage it a little bit, and bearing on, on his accent and his look as well. And I, and I had a couple of options, and I went, I'm going to go Egypt. And he's like... Yeah. Oh, yeah. very good. Right, I was I was quite pleased. Very good. Um, so I got that. It was from Egypt. Um, he has a sister who lives in LA, and she's been there for like thirty five plus years. So she was here in America before he came. And when he came, she was like, "Look, you should move to LA. The lifestyle here is so much better. New York's great, but LA is where you should come and live and just start your life here." He never did. He'd kind of he came to New York and and he settled here for a year or two, and he really enjoyed it back then, twenty two years ago, um, and. Uh, yeah, you know, he, he got settled. He, he met a, a woman, a, an Egyptian lady, who he ended up marrying, and they have a couple of kids now. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, and, and over those years, um, when, when he was in Egypt, he was uh, an electrical engineer. Hmm. Um, and so when he came here, um, he, well, actually, what, what he said to me, because this is what the interesting bit for me about the conversation, um, was that he, he said, you know, he made two big mistakes in his life. He had two big regrets. Um, and the first one that was him being an electrical engineer in Egypt, when he came here, he didn't transfer it. You know, because when you come to America, you have to do certain additional training and schooling, and it isn't a huge amount, and it's not hugely expensive, but you have to do it because of the, you know, the different laws and regulations or whatever. So you have to kind of transition, and he didn't do that. And again, he's an electrical engineer, very smart man, yeah. very skilled man. 
he didn't, and that's one of his biggest regrets is that he didn't kind of just do the schooling for a year or whatever it was and get it done, and so he could be in the because now he's driving an Uber, right? He's like fifty, fifty-five years old, mm-hmm. um, and he's got kids and whatnot. The other thing he said was um, his other biggest regret and biggest mistake was that he didn't listen to his sister and he didn't move to LA or Southern California when he was given the the opportunity and the idea and and he, he regrets it more so now because he's uh, in New York and he said it's changed so much in these twenty two years like it's not like it used to be there's there's a lot more people there's a lot more traffic um, life's a lot harder it's a lot more expensive yeah you know, it's you said, very you know, different you, kind of, you earn a thousand dollars you spend a thousand dollars or more. You know, it's kind of it's it's a very yeah. very difficult place, and especially if you're not making huge amount of money. So that was his other biggest regret. And and even now, he said his sister, she owns two houses, and she said, "Look, you you guys can come over. You you could live for free until you get yourself settled down and find a job." And and he's like, "It's just too late. You know, I've got all my friends here, my family, the work. You know, we live here. This is our lives." And so he said he really regrets that earlier on. He didn't make that choice to just go and take the gamble and just go and see what it was like and mm. experience that. Um, yeah, so they're two big regrets and they're huge things and he clearly they were clearly weighing on him and, and have always weighed on him. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, I guess for me it was like listening to him and, and talking about that. You've got to be brave. You've got to think, I want to do this. Yeah. I need to put the work in. I've yeah. got to take the opportunities because no one else is going to do it for you. Yeah. You know, you really have to... Um, kind of live life to your, like to your dreams as, as, as aside from like your dreams as opposed to your personal expectations and society's expectations of you yeah. to do certain things and live a certain way like and especially the world we live in now like there's so much more opportunity to go and take those chances yeah do it why not you know, I agree what's the worst that can happen you fail and then you go and do something else like, I agree that's perfectly okay so yeah so learn from Adele you know, that's if pretty you have cool. these dreams and these aspirations, just do it. Take the opportunity and just go for it. Don't, yeah. don't have those regrets. Don't leave those questions unanswered, you know. Yeah, I really feel what you're saying because, you know, it can be really hard to just jump out there, you know what I mean? And do something that's different compared to others or do something, tra- like, untraditional. But at the same time, I feel like, and I'm on my Oprah bag right now, it's like, Every single person has like a purpose in this world. Do you know what I mean? And like everybody has their work or a talent, at least one, you know, and that talent or that work will require that you leave wherever you're supposed to be, whether it's literally the house you grew up in or it's a city or yeah, sure. But the point is do whatever is required, right? But you have to have that kind of understanding within yourself. A lot of people, you know, and the courage and a lot of people rely on God to help them with that or some sort of spirituality or just like a knowing of oneself that like despite what people think or society or whatever, you just have to do it because time continues to go on, right? And then it's completely hard. And it's it's a scary world out there. But that's the challenge, right? But that's an opportunity for you to overcome, exactly. right? Because, yeah, once you get over the other part of hard, then doors are open for exactly. you that you didn't and even know would be open for you. The worst thing that can happen is it doesn't work out and you do something else. And you do something else. Deal. And even that has a purpose in itself. Exactly. You're right? going to learn from it and get more experience and, and you know, work out. You might realize that that may be a dream, but it actually, once you've got into it, 
it's not and that's also okay right and i think adele being 55 is actually not old at all i mean i think colonel sanders was like damn near 70 something years old when he started his company and then dapper dan i don't know if you know dapper dan dapper dan is dapper dan is a harlem legend still alive 74 years old maybe um he is very integral in um hip-hop fashion so in the 80s and 90s he was really big in coming up with different looks for people to wear he currently has a partnership with gucci right um so a lot of people wear his stuff he has like a store in harlem but my point is the man is 70 some years old been doing this his whole life Mm -hmm. grew up in harlem still in harlem but the thing is this is a straight black man in fashion right so can you imagine probably like the things people were saying about him maybe questioning his sexuality or whatever whatever, exactly Uh so it doesn't matter how old you are adele may have regrets but he doesn't have to stay in that regret he can do something right now exactly would you like try to encourage him and be honest with him about it yeah too late um yeah so that's that's what i learned this week that's cool what about you um so what's funny is on our last podcast we didn't even acknowledge the fact that we were dropping our episode on america's independence day Oh shit! Isn't that interesting? Very true, yeah, we didn't even think about it. Yeah, but I love that we didn't. Yeah, yeah. because as a black person, the older that I get, I kind of like despise mm-hmm. the holiday. So Independence Day in 1776, um, July 4th, my ancestors were not free people. Mm-hmm. So in order for us to even celebrate America being free from your country. Mm-hmm. Um, of Sorry. England, it's like, why the, why the hell will we even celebrate that, right? So what's interesting is I came across this article on The Guardian right. about how um, black Americans weren't allowed to eat vanilla ice cream unless it was the 4th of July. That is so bizarre. When, Isn't that crazy? When, when was this? What, what, what period in history was this? This was during, like... It was after our official emancipation. Right. It was not 1995. <laughs> so the Emancipation Proclamation came into effect January 1st, 1863. Yeah. But then all black people were not freed or all black people didn't get the message yeah. per se yeah. until June 1865. So June 19th, later, wow. 1865, two You're years later. Yeah. Because there was an announcement of the abolition of slavery in the U.S. state of Texas. Yeah. Um, and so we don't celebrate Emancipation Proclamation as like our Freedom Day. We celebrate what's Two called Juneteenth. Yeah. 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 There's oh, June nineteenth. Uh, yes. Yeah. I read about it recently, yeah. So okay. So going back to America's independence from England, vanilla ice cream was considered to be like the creme de la creme of like ice cream, <laughs> right? The fact that you have this white perfect sweet mm-hmm. goodness yeah. white supremacy was like you black people cannot have this unless it's july 4th which i think is actually quite mental it's, it's really a mental bizarre. game it's isn't really it it's like you're not going to be able to eat this again, it's it? a power trip yeah. i mean that's what white supremacy does right um so what's interesting is a lot of black americans had people in their family who would make uh, homemade ice cream. Mm-hmm. 
And a lot of black Americans didn't really understand where that came from. Like they would make their own homemade vanilla ice cream. Right. And a lot of this is because they weren't allowed to like eat this. So they would secretly eat their ice cream. Exactly. <laughs> Outside wow. of the, f- isn't that deep? White supremacy is disgusting. That's, I mean, um, that's such a bizarre thing. It's so secretly bizarre. Ice cream that you've made yourself. It's bizarre. So let me read no. this for you from the from the Guardian. It says. By custom rather than by law, so it was a custom, not a law, black folks were best off if they weren't caught eating vanilla ice cream in public in the Jim Crow South, except the narrative always stipulates on the 4th of July. I heard it from my father growing up myself. This was written by Michael W. Twitty. And the memory of that all but unspoken rule seems to be unique to the generation born between World War I and World War II. Vanilla ice cream flavored with the Nahuatl spice indigenous to Mexico, the cultivation of which was improved by an enslaved black man named Edmund Albius on the colonized Reunion Island in the Indian Ocean, now predominantly grown on the largest island of the African continent, Madagascar, and served wrapped in the conical invention of a Middle Eastern immigrant was the symbol of the American dream. That its pure white sweetness was then routinely denied to the grandchildren of the enslaved was a dream deferred indeed. So it's just so crazy that um, over the years, as I've gotten older, I've really looked at the 4th of July as like some bullshit, you know? It's not that it's necessarily bullshit, but it's not necessarily my history, right? Not my physical ancestral history right i love my country i think america is the greatest country in the world i honestly would not want to be anywhere else Mm -hmm. we have our problems that's for sure um but this also made me realize yeah that's probably why i forgot to even mention the fourth of july on our last episode Mm because there is something in me that kind of like forgets Mm -hmm. you know or doesn't want to acknowledge that's very interesting i wonder if if, can we think how many other um food related things are i like that yeah, yeah, isn't that crazy? Cultural food things where certain people aren't allowed to eat certain things. But you know what's sick about it too mm. is that vanilla extract is black as hell. You yeah. know, so it's <laughs> like, what? How are you denying black people from eating something that is naturally black and melanated? That's how sick white supremacy is. Um, so that's what I learned. Was. It's not as bad no, as that now. No, but it still exists, yeah, and it is it denying, extent, yeah. But it's definitely a, lot, a significant amount less. Come on. I think it's just been yeah. swept to another carpet, to be honest. Like, I just because you, can, you don't physically have laws that are telling people what they can or cannot do doesn't mean that the effect isn't the same or different. Okay, absolutely. Yeah. But a much less extent, though. It definitely I wouldn't is. say much less. I would yeah. challenge you on that. Really? That's for another conversation, it but... It's all subjective. Yeah, it... Yeah. it it definitely you have you seen stranger things of course so stranger things it's, it's like not, that monster keeps coming back oh yeah no but you know the idea the it's like you keep trying to close it and then he comes through another way that's what white supremacy is like for sure and white supremacy is so brilliant that you don't even need white people in the room for it to work so white supremacy can still exist even with a whole bunch of melanated people so yeah it's crazy all right. Yeah. Um, okay. And then so we, we were generally thinking of adding a, another little segment. Um, and it's something that she didn't I'm know excited. about. Um, it's in, in England, there's a great show. It's been on for two decades plus now. It's called Room 101. And normally the, the host brings a celebrity guest on. And the celebrity guest gets to put three things in Room 101. Is it always a British guest? 
Uh, no, I'm sure it's, it's varying guests oh. um, of different kind of where it, where it could be like an actor or it could be a presenter or, or whatever, or history, any, anyone, right? A sports star. Um, and in room 101, it's basically if they put it in room 101, they get rid of it forever. Oh, it's a vault. It's a vault and it's gone. So, um, very brief, we'll, we'll do this each time. But so, so, my room 101 this week is people uh, who serve you, like in retail service or whatever, <laughs> that, that give you your money back and they put the change oh on my top of the receipt god. i hate that no, too oh my god straight oh in room my 101 god. straight in room 101 that's like come on guys have I thought some I was, common sense here i thought i was the only one on, that's, that's one for everyone i think everyone's gonna agree on the room 101 there like you put the change in the hand and then you put the note and then you give the receipt like this come on and about how these people do it and don't like go to a store and be like that's really fucking annoying right and then they still do it anyway oh so that's my, my god that's what's going into room 101 for me this week Oh my God, mm-hmm. that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let me just stick to that for a second. So when they do that to me, I just feel so much pressure and so much anxiety because I have to, well, I'm yeah. holding stuff, yeah, yeah, right? In one hand, my wallet or the bag I just got, yeah. then I got this hodgepodge of currency and a piece of paper I don't even and want. And behind you probably of people trying to get in. And a line, out. exactly, mm-hmm. and some damn coins that I don't even really need and I want to throw in the trash and I got to organize that in my little hand and I don't have those skills so I feel like a newborn baby or something Mm -hmm. like I totally agree I want to put that in the vault well I just put it in this you don't I know well I've two times it's okay it's completely gone it's gone yeah now I have to think about something um I would probably say I want to put women who don't polish their toenails But they allow their toenails to be seen in public (laughs) into the vault, okay? Okay. I am insulted, okay? Along with another girlfriend of mine is just like me, and she, sh- but she shames people on Instagram. She'll put really? them on her Insta story. She won't put their faces, but she, she will put their toes, oh, and she'll like zoom in, you know, and it'll be like really dramatic, you know what I mean? And there'll be like That's horror funny. music sometimes. Uh-huh. I've shamed a few people when it's really bad. But I want to, you know, put that in the vault. Like, listen, ladies, if you... And men as well. Men, put some polish on your toes. You know, clear polish is fine. No polish. Just have them buffed up. Make them look good. Yeah, I mean, just just cut and just look reasonable. Look reasonable. But for the women, you need polish. It's just... Yeah, so I'm putting okay. that in the vault. Done, room 101. I love that. I yeah. love it. We're adding this. Yeah, it's fun. It's like, it's a good one. Um, okay, so um, my goodbye today is also like my hello isn't actually like a goodbye. But it was just because, again, it's a New York one, which is a, a quite nice quote, which I quite liked. Um, it's a quote from a lady called Juna Barnes, who was an American artist and journalist born in like the late 19th century. And um, she died in like 1982. Um, she's mostly known for a book called Nightwood, which was like a cult classic of lesbian fiction many years ago. Um, anyway, yeah, but the quote is, which I quite liked, and this was back then she wrote this quote, and, and now it's even more relevant. Um, she said that New York is the meeting place of the peoples, the only city where you can hardly feel any typical Americans, hardly, hardly find any typical Americans. Amen. So he likes. Amen. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, it's I mean, so true. London's very similar, but I mean, you know, as far as America goes, it's the it's the one. It you is. Know, there's no other city like New York as far as diversity goes. I agree, and everybody no, looks yes. so different. That's what I. Everybody. everybody. Is it's crazy. So different. 
I love it. Um, So before I even say my goodbye, I just want everybody to be reminded to like review and rate us on Apple Podcasts, please. And leave comments for us on our social media, shooting the issue with the Brit on Instagram or shooting the issue with the Brit on Twitter. DM us. Um, We are still thinking about including a listeners-ish segment. Um, But we have to have some ish from our listeners to have the segment. So give us something. Um, So I'm going to stay with my theme of the Martin Show. And this is kind of like an insulting sort of way to say farewell. But I'm not trying to insult you. I'm just giving you something to Uh stay in that theme, okay? Uh So anytime Martin wanted people to get out of his house, Uh he would be sort of half, half nice about it and then half rude. And very dramatic, of course. So, David, I need to say to you, especially since you're in my home right now, you ain't got to go home, but you got to get the hell up out of here. <laughs> so that's my farewell. Great. Well, I'm about to. Because <laughs> I've got a meeting to go to. So, yeah. so uh, thanks, Jen. Yeah. It's been great. It has been really it's been great. nice to record It's so weird to see your, mm-hmm. your face. Yeah. But it's, but been, it's been lovely. It's yes. been really good. 